welcome to Duck and the Usher. My name is Mr. Josh. I am the fish. The fish. And our movie today is Copycat 1995. <clears throat> but before we get into it, how are you today, Mr. Fish? I am doing quite well. It's doing a little good. little overcast out there. It's kind of a... It's Florida. You know, that sunshine state. Yeah. <clears throat> Jeez, I'm, I don't know, I'm feeling pretty chill day so far. I got donuts and coffee in there. You did get some donuts and I'm, I made some coffee, so it's... Yeah. Uh, I like, are you drinking coffee right now? I'm drinking coffee right now for sure. I'm drinking my, my tea. Trying to my unsweet tea. Oh, yeah, so, you switch it up, huh? Do you watch anything, uh, any new, anything new and interesting? I did watch two, well, I watched this movie for the first time, so that was kind of an, a new one for me. Copycat was my first time seeing it. Um, I watched El Camino. Oh, yeah, that yeah, that's Breaking on Netflix, Bad right? Movie. Oh, and we want to, I want to apologize for anybody who went on to Netflix to try to find Copycat. Yeah. Because when, when I announced <clears throat> that it was on Netflix, it was on Netflix. It still Netflix. was, yeah. They lifted it. And then it. I think not even four or five days ago, they, they took it off, which I had to go buy the DVD because I was like, what the hell? I need to, need to see this film again. Yeah, that's a big bummer. That's all right. It was only like, if you, if you want to rent it, I think it's like three bucks, but I bought the DVD for like four. When it was on Prime. So what else did quick. I watch this week? Oh, um, I, I delved further into season two of Mindhunter, which was cool because this movie and yeah, Mindhunter kinda, are very yeah. much alike. It's the serial killer-esque thing. Yeah, because yeah, we were talking about that. Behavioral sciences and all that and what they use to profile uh, you know, serial killers to, to better understand them and catch them. Uh, it was all kind of intertwined, Mindhunter, and this. I tried to... Not watch them too close together because I didn't want like any Stuck of my memories. Yeah, yeah, to, yeah, yeah. To, 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 to crossover. So, uh, but yeah, that's that's all I really watched. Uh, at least this week, I still I'm still thinking about the Joker a lot. So I still haven't seen it. I still, <laughs> Get in there, I man. Know, Get over there. I'm so bad about it. Ooh, you know what? Uh, there is something I I did want to talk about for anyone who is listening who wants to discover more movies. Uh, one of our first episodes, I mentioned going to the library because yeah, no, sometimes they do have DVDs on hand. Well, also. They also, have an like, online database now. They do. They? Yeah. There's an online streaming service. All you need is a library card. Do they do recent stuff, or is it mostly just like public domain, uh, like Mr. Smith Goes to Washington? There's a lot of that. Like there's that. there's popular movies on there, too, that might not be on a lot of the major streaming services. Little gems. A lot of little gems hidden in there. It's called Canopy with a K. I want to say a, a friend of mine turned me on to it, and I was like, what is this? And he goes, well, it's a streaming service you can get if you have a library card within Osceola County. Oh, nice. And it works. I, th know, I, think that's like th I think that's throughout the nation. So like, is even it? Though, yeah. I, oh, cool. I mean, even Orange County, I'm pretty sure. So check your local libraries, you know. They probably got a lot of that good shit happening I, for you. The only thing I really watch, I've, once, I've been binging like Futurama. That's really what I've been doing. <laughs> but uh, because one of our next episodes is um, going to be about Jim Varney, I decided to watch a couple of Ernest movies. Just okay. To, just for fun. Just, yeah, just for fun, because I own a majority of them. Yeah. Like, eh, I wanted something kind of <clears throat> stupid. It was late at night. So. Yeah. Um, I do want to shout out, uh, because of the way that we do our podcast, we get like analytics, so I get to see where people are listening to. You bet. And, uh, you know, of course, the U.S., we have a majority of people listening to, but right now, under that, uh, Australia, we got like 20 people in Australia. Thank so you to some, all of our Aussie friends yeah. down under. So if you're... Uh, I apologize for that horrible thing that Zach just did because they hate that. <laughs> yeah, they do. Um, I work. I work at Outback Steakhouse you too. Just drop your glasses. My again. glasses every time they're fine all day and they fall apart when I sit oh. down here. All right. Well, while you're looking for that, I'll uh, I'll go ahead. So, Copycat was released in 1995. It. Um, it is rated R um, because you do see uh, 
Do you see you see some boobies in this, don't you? Uh, no, no, we don't see any boobies, do I we? I thought we see some boobies in this one. I don't recall. It's just a lot of violence. A lot I of think violence. It's, it's language and violence. Language and violence. That gives it the uh, the rated R. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 78%. That's out of 37 reviews. IMDb, 6.6 out of 10. That's out of 50,000 reviews. Yeah. You got a 6.6 on IMDb. Um, budget, $20 million when this came out. That's a, that's a pretty good budget for a 90s film, especially for this movie. And it only made 32. 32 million. Yeah. And, uh, but I think the reason we yeah. chose this one wasn't, wasn't so much its critical reception or, or its, uh, commercial reception. I wanted to do a thriller. That's why I suggested this because Halloween's kind of coming up. And I'm yeah. like, I remember seeing this movie and thinking it was pretty good. <clears throat> yeah. And it's, it's a slow one, but I do like, I like suspenseful. I love political thrillers. And, I do too. Uh, yeah. I'm a huge political thriller kind of guy. So if it's slow, it doesn't really bother me. Top 10 highest grossing films of 1995. Ooh, what were some other big films that came out in 95? Because I remember that year oh, quite I'm well. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> the number one movie in 1995 was Die Hard with a Vengeance. I love that movie. That's the third one, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Third installment of the Die I, Hard. I, I want to say I'll go out on a limb here or... Fuck, not even a limb. Just <laughs> my own opinion of, of the Die Hard series is that is the best one. It is, first one is great. First one's great. Second one's shit. I wouldn't I call like, it shit. I don't but like the it, second one. It falls one. short, the airport thing. I don't it, even know. Because that's all it does. It just take, I mean, well, I guess the first one just takes place in air ducts and a building. Yeah. This but one, the this third one, one they're, they're bombing around New York City. Well, the fourth Jeremy one didn't Irons come out killing it for uh, not years till like 2007 or something. Or. And they, they're making Live too Free many. and Die Hard. Yeah, it's, they're making too many of those. Yeah. Uh, so, number one, Die Hard. Then we have Toy Story. Awesome. Apollo 13. Awesome. GoldenEye. Awesome. Great video game. Yep. And then number four, Pocahontas. No, sorry, number five, Pocahontas. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't a fan of the movie. Pocahontas? Pocahontas. I love the music. Yeah, that's all I, I think, remember from that I think one. from the 90s, the music was really good. I don't think uh, I ever actually have seen that all the way through. Well, Even when it came it's, out, it's Disneyfied. You know, it would have been better if like she went back to London and died of syphilis. Like, yeah, the real story. a little <laughs> historical accuracy. Yeah, you know, who was in that? Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson played John Smith, and that's really all I remember. Is that all? okay? Well, yeah. that's all I remember too. Uh, number six, Batman Forever. <laughs> uh, not awesome, but best movie soundtrack ever. Oh, Seal, man, Kiss from yeah, the Rose. Yeah, also Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, one of the only U two songs I like is on that. I think I, I remember owning the uh, the when uh, Mickey D's had like the the collector's glasses. They yeah, were short and they had like Yo, the frosted. I my think buddy, my dad still has them. my my. I think my mother still has some from when I was a kid back in '95. Yeah, and McDonald's used to give away cool stuff. They had the, the Flintstones glasses too. I the had the year Flintstones. Yeah, yeah. And my 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 good buddy Barrel, if you're listening, I know you've got a couple of those a couple at his of house. Those. Yeah. Number seven, seven. Seven was seven. Seven was seven. David Fincher. Yeah, seven was seven. Number eight, Casper. We should do Casper. Whoa, I like Casper. That would have been a good breaks. Halloween one. But do we had like a whole month to do four Halloween movies? I we know. chose to do one. Well, that's okay. <laughs> We're learning. Number yeah. number eight. Number eight was Casper. Number nine, Waterworld. Okay. You know, interesting connection to Waterworld with this movie is they originally wanted James Howard Shore to do the the score. Oh. But, he, but he turned this movie down to do to Waterworld, Waterworld, which went way over budget, which was a, I mean, a it, it commercial made, and it, critical flop. It Although, made money, though. It's like, especially if it was like Waterworld it, did it, number nine. It did better than Jumanji as from what everyone. I saw. Everyone wants to like deride that movie as being like terrible. But I guarantee if you revisit Waterworld right now, you're going to like it. You're going to like I like it. Yeah. I personally like it, and I mean, watch watch Waterworld, and then watch The Postman, yo, and then say which one's better. We got another okay. connection to The Postman in here too, because Will Patton was yeah. in The Postman. Yeah, 
I I personally was like uh, wasn't um and the postman the, the musician Tom Petty Tom Petty was it playing Tom as Petty him, yeah. as himself and well, the that's number, the thing, that's the thing yeah. about Kevin Costner movies he's he's got like one of four movies he does like a western some kind of like southern historical political drama. Uh, post-apocalyptic movies or baseball movies. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. And then, you know, Jumanji, number 10, with Ron Williams. Oh, that's a them. pretty solid year for, you know, mediocre movies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, all those movies are really great in their own right. They're very, very 95. Very, very 95. They're <clears throat> very different from each other. Very different yeah, from each other. Pretty very eclectic. Across the board, yeah. yeah. Um, do we want to just jump into it, or do we want to talk yeah. about who's in the movie? Well, let's we'll, 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 we'll talk about them as we as we meet them as the movie progresses. So, Copycat uh, is about an agoraphobic psychologist and a female detective who, or I should say just detective, I don't think her gender matters. They say inspector. Inspector. In the film. Okay. They say inspector. So an agoraphobic psychologist and a detective, the inspector, Monaghan, must work together to take down a serial killer who copies serial killers from the past. That is correct. The the very be- It really jumps right into the movie. It, it doesn't really lag too much. This movie is kind of slow, but it has its little beats. It has its mm-hmm. punches. And um, we open up with uh, Helen, Dr. Helen Hudson, who's played by Sigourney Weaver. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you know her from Alien. Oh, yes. Uh, you wrote down a bunch well, of I them. Got a, well, yeah, I got a lot here. Obviously, Alien is her big one. She was in Avatar, Galaxy Quest, Ghostbusters, The Cabin in the Woods, Holes, Dave, Working Girl, The Year of Living Dangerously. She's you, had quite a career. Everyone should know who Sigourney She was 47 when she made this movie? 46, I want to say. 46, something like that. She, she was good. She, yeah. Well, I, I didn't realize that she was that old. I, she just turned 70, like... Like last week, excuse me. Jeez. And uh, her real name is actually Susan Alexandra Weaver. She took the name Sigourney in 1963 from the character Sigourney Howard from F. Scott's F. Scott Fitzgerald's The Great Gatsby. Yeah. Say that 11 times fast. <laughs> so we open up on uh, Dr. Helen Hudson, and she's giving like a kind of a dissertation type speech um, <clears throat> yep. about serial killers. And while she's giving this speech, um, I'm going to play a little clip of the speech because it's mm-hmm. kind of important because they, they this do is where lo- she asks all the all the men in the audience. Yeah, to she stand asks up. all the men to stand up in the audience and she's kind of talking. It's not this clip that I'm playing, but it's she, not. OK, no, it's not. But she uh, she shows it around. She goes, you know, anyone who's over who's under 22 and over 35 to sit down. And then she goes, these are the people that you have to look out for. This is kind of the uh, it's a pretty popular clip. I think if there's one scene, every anyone casually has seen before, it's this that. one's popped up online. Yeah. Before. And th- this is um, this is towards the end of her speech when she uh, recognizes one of our main characters um, in it. So I'm going to go ahead and play that real Hit quick. Serial killers are not a 20th century invention, but we seem to be spawning them in ever greater numbers. The state of Florida spent almost eight million dollars to electrocute Ted. So right now she sees a person in the audience that's giving her like, I'm going to kill you throat thing. She's kind of taken back. Sorry. Um, the state of Florida spent $8 million to electrocute Ted Bundy. Wouldn't that money have been better spent keeping him confined for life, subject to intense scientific scrutiny? Isn't our best hope to try to identify the Ted Bundys of the future before they kill? And that's kind of like the end of her little uh, her speech. And I think it's funny that she says <clears throat> that because Mindhunters is basically about yeah. when they were... Uh, Profiling serial mm-hmm. killers, so it kind of that was at first. It was there. a pretty controversial methodology. If you like Mindhunters, you're gonna like oh, this movie. Oh God, yeah. Um, and Mindhunter, if if you haven't watched Mindhunter, go watch it. It's incredibly well written and well acted. 
Um, and it gives you that it's a, it's really, it's a really, it's a really great story. And I just started talking today. That's why I'm mumbling. Um, <laughs> so it, after that, we kind of get into a little scene and she has like a police escort and we, we don't really know why she has a police <clears throat> escort, but she goes to the bathroom. Uh, she's got two police officers. One police officer is like, well, I got to go pee. So the other one escorts her into the women's room, gives her like a quick, gives a little once over type of thing. He yeah. sees a, a lady in one of the stalls like, oh, sorry. And then he well, a pair he, of feet and heels, feet and heels. <laughs> and uh, she Helen is wearing uh, this red like trying to it's a red dress, like, like a, a suit? suit, not a pantsuit, has a skirt, but a yeah. red, nice red outfit. Call it a dress. It's the professional attire for yeah. uh, a professional woman, I expect. And so. she's she goes into the stall and she uh, she realizes there's no like toilet covers, you know, like the sanitary covers. Right. And she starts putting like the, <clears throat> the toilet paper toilet paper over the I seat. Do, I do that. Anyone who <laughs> poops in public. Yeah. yeah and she's like <laughs> carefully doing it. And then at that point in time, we realize that the the woman in the stall next to her is taking her shoes off and realizes mm. it's kind of men's feet. Yeah. And uh Bam! Out of nowhere, she gets a, uh, she gets a like cable, a, like a, a yeah, noose. A Garrett? Is that what they call? Garrett Garretting is when you like just yeah. have the two. No, it's, it's like behind. a noose. Okay, like, but it's but made it's, out of, but like, it's made of like a steel cable. Yeah. and starts jacking her up. And this is where we meet um, David Cullum, right? David yeah, Cullum was that his name? I wrote it down. It's Harry Connick, it's Harry Jr.'s, Connick character. Jr.'s character. I forget his... Uh, it's Daryl Lee Cullum. Daryl Lee Cullum. Yeah, because right. he's a serial killer. Daryl Lee Cullum, <laughs> and he strings her up, and she's like barely touching the top yeah. of the toilet and her shoe falls off in a very yep. dramatic scene. He and kills the other cop in the bathroom. Well, th- that's what I'm about to play. Another ah. clip. We're gonna, we got a lot of clips clip. for this one. Clip. And so, and Acting. if you've ever <laughs> listened to Harry Connick Jr., you know he has his own TV show now. Is that still on Does Harry? He? Yeah. I have no idea. It's, I don't know if it's on like the O channel or something. It's one of those daytime talk shows. <laughs> Oprah's channel? I, I don't know. It's, Dude, it, I don't it's even a know. daytime thing. I'm all, I'm all VOD and streaming services these days gotcha. on YouTube. I don't but watch TV at all. I, I, I'm a singer. Zach's a singer. I sing a lot of Harry Connick. And if you listen <laughs> to Harry Connick Jr., you know he's got that very beautiful it's voice. It's a crooner. That crooner. Right? Yeah. It had to be you. Yeah. Type yeah. Of stuff. And now we're going to kind of hear getting it his uh portrayal of the serial killer and i would say this is harry connick's best role he's ever done personally for me because he's always in those hallmark crappy christmas movies i mean he excuse me he would know him well from being will smith's pilot buddy in independence day yeah who bought the farm really early on um he was an iron giant and he was also in hope floats with uh sandra bullock yes and i didn't know this until learning you know he's really good in iron giant yeah, he is. Yeah, he plays like the the guy who owns the. He's McCoopin. Yeah, Dean, he, he Dean plays McCoopin. the the guy who owns like the yeah. the junkyard. McCoppin. Dean McCoppin. Yeah. That's right. Uh, but also, I didn't I didn't know this little tidbit here. Uh, Hope Floats was directed by Forrest Whitaker. Really? Yeah, I did not know that. That's such a. That was ninety eight. He, he did a lot of those romantic kind of comedy. Speaking of Whitaker, we got to cover Ghost Dog, but we'll come to that. We'll come back to that. All yeah. right, here's the clip. So, um, the. The extra police officer comes into the bathroom and uh, Harry grabs him because he hides out in like the storage closet real quick when the guy comes in. Here it is. What are you doing with my gun? Huh? How'd you get my gun? What are you doing in the ladies' room? Are you spying on those girls again? <laughs> hey. I'll tell you something right now. Oh, hey! Don't you look pretty up there, officer? Hey, you know what I want to know? I need you to help me out on this, Dr. Hudson, because you're the expert now. How would a fuck knocker like me take out a dumb guy like this, huh? Would you stick him? Huh? Or would you shoot him? Stick him or shoot him? Shoot him, stick him. I can't, <laughs> I can't decide. 
But I think I'm just going to go ahead on and do both. Yeah, so I just, think I'm just going to go do ahead on and do both. both. And he's got <clears throat> these really crazy jacked up teeth. Which you know, I don't what? know if he actually had jacked up teeth back no, then. No, I think he's wearing a prosthetic. Because I think his teeth are nice. And his hair's all red. He's got kind of zits all over his face. He just looks yeah. like a slimy serial killer. He yeah. really, really did a good job on this one. He says fart knocker. Fart knocker. Now, he's got some pretty he, interesting he sayings throughout this movie. definitely middle. lifted that from Mike Judge and, and Beavis and Butthead because oh, 95. at 95, like, nobody was saying fart knocker. And if you were, it's because you were watching Beavis, Beavis and, and Butthead. Yeah, yeah. He also says uh, later in the movie, he says squirrel covers. Squirrel covers. We'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah, yeah all right. I, I think there's some trivia on squirrel Never covers. Never caught on, thankfully. <laughs> there is a bit of trivia. I, yeah, yeah. I think I, I think I read something about that. So uh, he grabs her, and then you see the extra police officer who was taking a pee down the hall. He's kind of running in slow-mo. And then it cuts to a scene uh, 13 months later from this incident. So we get a time jump. <clears throat> little time jump. It says it on the thing, and it's sort of this uh, what they call a like a catapult, like a time catapult, where you, where those real events also are her awakening from that as a nightmare. Yeah, it kind of so, fades out, and she kind of <gasps> wakes up, and she's searching um, for her pills because she's yeah. in her house. You're not really, and she's a beautiful. This like so this takes place in San Francisco. Yeah. Okay. And she's got like this great house, kind of close to the bay. It's like a penthouse. Yeah. Type thing it's, a on a massive it's a massive apartment. Like, this lady made a lot of money, I'm guessing. Yeah, but it's it's a super 90s home, and she's got the big automated like mechanical blinds, shutter that things. Open yeah, they're up. massive, and yeah, it's, and it's and all it decorated. turns into a mural when they're shut. When they're yeah. shut, yeah. She made a lot of money on those books, whatever books she wrote. She wakes up. She's kind of asking for. She keeps saying this, Andy, where are you? Type of things. Pops some pills, and then she she has a computer set up, which is old school nineties. Like she's got like two monitors, three, and three, three is monitors. It? Oh. I counted it. And uh, it's so nineties. She's playing. She's playing chess on the internet. Yeah, ninety five. The internet was just kind of in its infancy. Yeah, in its infancy. So yeah, when she's typing a lot, it's all kind of MS DOS. Yeah, I, I, those it, old school. It was Apple. I was looking at the yeah, it was. stuff. It was Apple. She's going into chat rooms and stuff and. Do you remember chat rooms? I do. <laughs> you ever like signing on after school and just talking to randoms? No, I think I had AIM, like the AOL. And I ended messenger. up getting AIM because I realized my friends had AIM as, as well, so and I just started talking to like, them. But that was it? like in the mid to late or early to mid two thousand. Yeah, like back out. in the nineties. Back in the nineties, it was like chat rooms. It was like listed. Yeah. yeah. So and then after that, uh, she's playing. You know, on her chess. computer, chess. There we, was a cartoon on the TV, but I couldn't. Ever, I couldn't find out what it was. I don't know it if it had any some, significance. I don't know if it was. Maybe it was like, okay, we just we'll grab something that's easy well, to play. I remember or, my TV pro teacher saying, anytime you see anything on usually, screen yeah, from a director, they put it there for a reason. But I didn't find out what that was. If anybody out there knows, hit us up. And then we cut to a um, a police training site where we meet <clears> our uh, two of our inspectors. We meet Holly Hunter. Oh, yeah. Who oh. plays MJ uh, Mahanahan. MJ Monahan. That's right. And she's an Oscar winner from 1994. The year prior to this film, she won an Oscar Best Actress for The Piano. Mm-hmm. And we also meet uh, Dermot Mulroney. Mulroney, who plays Ruben Getz. Getz. Now, Holly Hunter, um, if for anyone... Uh, wants to know like more and more popular roles have been. She was really well known for being Elastigirl in The Incredibles. She was in Raising Arizona, and I think is one of her best roles. Um, she even had a small role in Batman vs Superman as the senator um, that Lex she Luthor was. blows up, yeah, yeah, and gets yeah. the the jar of pee on her on her lectern. <laughs> uh, she was also in Thirteen with Evan Rachel Wood, which is a crazy good movie. The Firm. I forgot she was in that. Blood Simple. I like The Firm. That's good. I one. do too. And she was in Broadcast News with William Hurt. 
I like broadcast news also. <clears throat> the uh, in her, you kind of when you meet her, her voice is Holly Hunter. She has that southern twang. Yeah, to her. where she like speaks through her teeth in the front of her mouth, which kind of bothers me sometimes. She looks very. <laughs> I mean, this four years later, this movie comes out in 91. We have Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. You know? And to me, she's a very Clary Starling type of character because just <clears throat> I think it's just because of her outfit. Do you think she because of bangs. Silence of the Lambs, like this movie, there was a market for movies like these. People I think wanted it to see was those. because Dahmer was caught in like 91, 92. <clears throat> yeah. So the 90s, like people wanted to hear more about these serial killers. The police killers. profiling. I, even, I looked yeah. up a little more and there were actual serial killers still out and about when this movie came out. Wow, that's N- nuts. No one that was like super duper famous. What is, wait, didn't she give a statistic uh, at the beginning? There's as actively always at least like... It's something like 30% or 20% or, or something. Somewhere between like 15 to 20 serial killers out there at out any there. given time. Yeah. So she's... It, and Oh yeah, also I, we're kind of jumping back when right before Helen goes into the bathroom, she's like <clears> signing <throat> her book and it's like stay away from parked vans. She says it's Is that what lady. she says? Yeah, she's stay, she says stay away from parked vans. Um, so we meet uh, MJ, Helen Hunter, and Ruben. Holly. Holly, Holly Hunter. Holly. What did I say? Helly Hunter? Hel- Helen. Helen. Well, because Helen Hudson is. Yeah, Helen Hudson's character. Yeah. Holly Hunter. And they're doing like a police training site. Yeah, they're in like a like a shooting range. Shooting with, range uh, doors. The door yeah. opens up. They fire. And uh, her and Dermot, her and Ruben, basically. So we're going to be using the characters' names. So MJ and Ruben, they're kind of ban- right. bantering back and forth about his shooting style because he's like busts open the door and wastes a uh, one of the like cardboard cutouts. Like and she's the whole like, thing. didn't you learn how to shoot conservatively? And then they have this whole uh, specific little lesson about shooting, shooting the shoulder, which is kind shoulder, of which, foreshadowing. Yeah, it hits a nerve. And he'll drop the gun and then you yeah. can read him as Miranda writes. I don't know. I've always kind of disliked that sort of thing that they do in movies where they give cops these, um, these like sort of outlandish logic. Mm-hmm. Because in the real in the real world, if you point a gun at a cop, you're gonna die. You're gonna die. Yeah, <laughs> you, no, yeah. They're not gonna shoot for your shoulder or try to like no, minimize. You, uh, you hit, they are you, trained to minimize the loss of life, but if you point a gun at a cop, they yeah, are going no, to kill it's you. Center mass. You shoot for center yeah. mass. That is exactly <clears throat> center mass because they try to shoot for your shoulder. You're probably gonna miss because the adrenaline. You shoot for center mass. Um, a little banter between them, and then we uh, we we go to a cut where it's like a bunch of kids playing in a park. And you're like, what? Uh, and it's kind of from this camera, like a like a handheld camera point yeah. of view. Some camcorder. Yeah, some camcorder. And then it starts focusing on a woman jogging. Mm-hmm. And uh, then Is we this realize that, that zoom enhance, zoom enhance. Yeah, yeah. Zoom so enhance. It, it zooms out, and you realize it's a guy on a computer, and he's just zooming into this woman's face and keeps enhancing and enhancing and enhancing. And all we see are like his reflection of his glasses. Mm-hmm. So we kind of see the first look at our um, our serial killer. Yep. Which uh, actually you've already seen before yeah. this, but you don't know until the, if, you, right. if you watch the movie and then rewatch it, you'll start seeing little scenes. Oh, there he is. There he is. is. There in the is. background, uh, something yeah. like that kind of points it out. Um, and we go to the first victim's house. <clears throat> yeah. So, so they're investigating the first murder and they think technically it's not the first murder, but it's oh. the first one we see. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and they're starting to wonder whether they have like a serial strangler on their hands because this the, murder number three yeah this murder mimics the uh, the Boston strangler the Boston strangler yeah and uh, we we go through how uh, MJ is uh, searching the thing and she's asking everybody you know did you take anything did you touch anything from the scene standard, yeah. standard police work <clears throat> yeah um, and we find out you know this woman's in the bathroom she's kind of posed in a certain way mm-hmm. and she asks the the 
first officer on the scene again, like, did you touch anything? Yeah. And it's like, well, when I got here, there was a, um, a stocking around her neck. And now it's not there. Right. And she's like, well, who took it? And we find out that her lieutenant her, removed yep. it. <clears throat> and sometimes with serial killers, they would do that. They would take a piece of evidence away. Um, and we see in the next scene uh, well, why doesn't they he do that. Do it? Well, he does it because he, he, he wants, doesn't want the press to get wind of it. He doesn't want the press it. to get wind of it. But they, in a lot of these things, they would take it away. So if people were to confess, which our next scene right. is about that, we meet... Um, who are we meeting again? Will Patton. Will we Patton, yes. He plays uh, Nicolette, or Nick. Nicoletti. Nicoletti. Uh, also, the, b- when she's talking to her chief or lieutenant, who's is a lieutenant? Yeah, Lieutenant Quinn. Quinn. Um, he says, or he, he has this, like, cigarette, and I, you see this a lot in movies. Whenever someone's, in, like, a not a real smoker, they have this prop cigarette where it just glows orange just on the tip. Bit, yeah, it's no smoke coming out. And has that little out. smoke coming out. No, there was smoke, but it's always, it's always just this little puff. And I always wondered, like, why... I get it if, if an actor isn't a smoker, but why force them to look like a smoker if it's going to look weird and forced? Yeah, to, just to make them a non-smoker. Cigarette? Who cares? Yeah, yeah. no one really Give needs... Give a pipe. <laughs> sure. I don't know. I've, I've always been... You can always tell when somebody's really smoking and when someone's using a fucking prop cigarette. Yeah. Anyway, that's something I noticed and hated. And then, yeah, Will Patton shows up, and I was like, oh! Well, mm. well yeah, Will Patton shows up. Wait, I, I forgot we had... Because he wasn't work. in one of the top-billed cast. Well... Yeah, we'll get to the Will Patton thing because I forgot we go back to Doctor Helen's part. There was a lot of jumping back and forth. Yeah, well, when when she's struggling to get the newspaper. Right? Yeah, so we kind of <laughs> we don't really know much about her. We know that like something happened in the bathroom. Now she's been at home for thirteen months. Uh, we find out that total shut in, and uh, we're at her apartment, and she opens up her door, and her newspaper isn't like at the foot of her door. It's it's good five feet it's away, good, like six feet, something like that. Because she's got to grab her broom, but she opens the door. And then Sigourney we get Barney Weaver's wingspan. She should be able to reach right out <laughs> there and tall. get it. She's, she's a, mad tall. Yeah. She was five ten by the time she was thirteen, and uh, she can't grab the newspaper. But when she opens the door, we kind of get like this vertigo effect. Oh yeah, where, where like, the Dutch angles roll. start getting her yeah, real sorry. hard. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she grabs like uh, a broom. She gets her newspaper, but the entire time she's quoting the list, uh, the list of presidents in order. Oh yeah, it seems to be like her mental her little thing. litany against fear. Yeah, just to kind of keep her on track. That's my one Dune reference and per episode. When she reads the um, the newspaper, uh, she's like, "Son of a bitch," and ends up calling the. Uh, police department yeah and then that's, so she's yeah she's yeah. catching on to what the press is leaking about these various murders and because she's a like a, like a criminal psychologist profiler she's got these insights from within her home that she wants to convey to the cops and the cops start making fun of her and what's the one joke they use on the phone they seem the, the deep, moon, moon bike oh moon, yeah I got, i'll get to that in a second so this is where we meet <laughs> will Patton, and there's this guy who is um confessing about the murder Oh, yeah. And Will Patton's like, well, how many times did you stab her? And he's like, 87 times. times. Yeah. And he's like, get the fuck out of here. And he's it's like, like he says his name. He's like George. I, you know, he's like a chronic uh, confessor. He's a serial confessor. Serial com- confessor. Yeah. And he's like, just get the fuck out of here. He's like, next time I'm going to have to arrest you. Um, and then they. Uh, well, this is when he starts button heads with the Dermot Moroni character gets. Yeah. And I, I wrote dick measuring. And then he makes a Kmart joke about his tie. Uh, his tie. Yeah. So him and Nick and uh, and. Uh, Ruben do not get along at all. Uh, we haven't really figured that out just yet. Um, yeah. 
<clears throat> so a real quick, Will Patton too is is a great actor who doesn't get like top billing in this movie, but um, before this he was in. Uh, and if you well, don't, I actually should if say, if you don't know who Will Patton is, the minute you see his face, you're like, oh, oh yeah, 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 that guy, yeah, yeah, that guy. He was in like probably most most famously known for uh, playing Chick in Armageddon. He was also in The Postman, which we mentioned earlier. The Mothman Prophecies is an awesome movie. He's in that. He was one of the henchmen of the Punisher, the 04 Punisher. Remember the Titans, Brooklyn's Finest, and most recently he was one of the cops in the Halloween movie that came out last year. Oh. That was a really good one. Did you see that one? Uh, the newest one? Yeah. No, that, good that, time of year to watch it. Isn't that... Uh, who did that one? That was the uh, comedian guy. Danny McBride. Danny McBride. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> brought the, he, I don't know. He didn't direct it, but... Um, did he produce it? Yeah, he was. it was his like baby, yeah. Which is cool. I like seeing more comedians getting into the horror. Like Jordan Peele's movies are fantastic. Yeah, they're really good. Uh, I don't know what it is about comedians and their ability to I really think, I think find the things that horrify us. I think that's the thing is that they're, they're so used to being comedians that they, they go to they, the other end can, of the spectrum. Yeah, they have a good range. Hmm. Um, at this point, we find out that Dr. Helen has been calling the police department and mm-hmm. one guy calls her like, you know, deep throats back on the line again, yeah. <laughs> which if you don't know what deep throat it is, it's well, not a, a water graphic gate. thing. It is a Watergate reference. Uh, but yeah, uh, there was a, what was it, Linda Lovelace in that movie? <laughs> Deep Throat. So we're not going to cover that. We're one. not covering that. Um, but Deep Throat goes back to Watergate. It's uh, like a whistleblower. We call them whistleblowers. Now, yeah, but yeah. Back then it was uh, Deep Throat. Oh, we also get a glimpse of the Pine Saw Lady. We do the Pine Saw Lady. If you remember the old uh, the the African American actor the who used to do the Pine Saw, like mm, it smells fresh. I didn't get her name, but yeah, she, she was, she's the uh, like the police secretary. Yeah, type of thing, basically. Uh, so we we talk about uh, he's like uh, ask her about the lunar cycles. So uh, MJ gets on the phone with her and he's like, so tell me about these lunar cycles. And she's like, or, uh, uh, moon, moon bikes. bikes, moon bikes. She goes, moon bike. What no, do you mean? Lunar cycles. No, lunar cycle. Been twenty eight days. <laughs> and uh, every time they ask for her name, Helen just hangs up the phone. Um, but they end up tracking, uh, doing like a trace on the phone because she's called so many times. So we find out. Well, don't they? Don't they just? know where she lives they just look her up don't they yeah well they say like do we have do, do we have that uh new program or whatever it's like yeah i just got installed today oh okay so that's when they go and visit her at her night uh yeah right after that well we find out who it is and the lieutenant uh the lieutenant's like don't go talk to her she's crazy and um uh mj does a bunch of research <clears throat> on her yeah realizes that and, she's and we figure out what kind of happened to dr helen the reason that um harry connick's character uh mccollum uh, Daryl Lee uh, attacked her is because she was like the the uh, doctor witness, like the star, yeah, like special in his trial, yeah, in his trial, who basically sent him to prison, yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. we do find out that he ended up uh, targeting her, targeting her, and raping her in the bathroom. Is that what happened? Or is that, is that implicit? Like, no, it, it is. It is. It is what happened because you when it scrolls through the, um, they kind of mention it a few times very okay. lightly, especially at the very end where she's like, Daryl Lee couldn't keep it up either. Oh, snap. Type, oh, stuff like that. damn. So, Terrible. yeah, she did get uh, touched. Touched. <laughs> and uh, we do find out um, when he goes to see her, the lieutenant's like, stop using the word serial killer. You know, and he, and then we find out that the lieutenant worked in on the Zodiac case, is yeah, what he says, which Zod- is a nice little uh, like foreshadowing to Dormant Mulroney being in, in the movie Zodiac, Zodiac yeah. later. A lot uh, of connections. He was also in uh, the Trigger Effect, which is a really great movie that we that need one. to talk about. That's probably one we need to put in here. Trigger Effect, yeah, right it's, it's got Kyle MacLachlan in it and stuff. It's, I, I think it's, it's super underrated. Anyway, we'll come back to that. Uh, and then MJ and Ruben go to Doctor Helen's house. <laughs> um, and she thinks when they arrive, we meet Andy, who is uh, Helen's assistant. Yeah, like a personal assistant. Personal assistant. Uh, 
lets them in, and she's like, did he escape? Did he escape? Thinking that Daryl Lee escaped from prison. And she's like, no, we're here about the phone calls. And uh, they want her to help them try to find this killer. They're asking her a bunch of questions, and they end up... They they bring out a bunch of crime scene photos. Yeah, like a bunch of very grotesque crime scene photos, and she starts having a a panic attack, and uh, here's a little scene of that. But if you would be so kind as to look... I don't want these here. Would you be more comfortable looking at them downtown? I don't want to see these here. Well, I'll drive you if you prefer. Andy. Andy! 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 All right. It's okay. Breathe. Breathe. I'm here. Breathe. Breathe. Should we call the paramedics? No, no. Just a good old-fashioned panic attack. She hyperventilates till she passes out, then her breathing returns to normal, and she's fine. What do we do? She's agoraphobic. She's afraid of spiders, too? She hasn't been out of the house in over a year. She's okay, though, right? She's fine. Half an hour, she'll be singing like a lark. I missed that joke before. Singing like a lark? No, when he said she's agoraphobic, she's afraid afraid of of spiders, spiders? too. (laughs) And I also, I wrote down, I never understood bag breathing. Like why would you why would you want to inhale your your it, exhalation? It's well, no, carbon it, dioxide, right? Yeah, it makes it's supposed to make you calm down, and that's why he says she'll pass out. Uh-huh. And then when you pass out, your breathing returns to normal because your brain shuts down. Right, and it so becomes you, like the involuntary muscles yeah, instead so you, of you it, voluntarily. It, 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 I think it makes you focus on your breathing. Okay, like in and out. You see the bag inflate, deflate. That's what I'm guessing. It just sounds not, sure. not great for you to do. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, that's why he's like, "Oh, then she'll pass out, and then she'll okay. be singing like a lark." Um, and then after that clip, they're they're trying. They're going to be packing up all the uh, the pictures, and the Andy, the assistant, just says, "If you really want her to see it, just leave it." I'll uh, yeah, <clears throat> get her to that. And this is when we get a little music montage of picture staring. Well, kind of, but but when they're leaving, MJ and Ruben are like making fun of her, like when yeah. they're going to the car. Like the yeah. entire time, they're like, "What a quack! What a crazy lady!" Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Popping pills, drinking brandy. Yeah, because you know? the entire time she's got like a glass of brandy in her yeah. hand. She's like dependent upon these uh, the pills and alcohol, which I don't know. That sounds terrible. Yeah, they, and then we get the, uh, the the scene of her. She's looking through these pictures and she's making connections. And there's like opera playing in the background. Yeah, and I wrote down that her apartment is really like her head. Like she's looking at these grotesque photos, and there's this kind of light operatic music playing in the background <clears throat> and uh so i thought yeah maybe the apartment because it's her safe place it's it's really yeah, seeing her at sort of like representative core. of like her psyche at the moment because exactly. she's all closed off has these very literal as well as figurative walls up around her and so she's safe within that space <clears throat> so she's staring over these these crime scene photos and like many other movies and television shows that do this whenever there's a main central character who needs to glean something from? It's a lot of eye kind close, of, close up on the eyes, close lot, yeah, up on the pictures. It's a lot of just like them staring and thinking, and like how does how does one? I I get that maybe if you're an observant, you might notice something in a crime scene photo. But why is it always? I know it's just a visual thing for the audience while we're watching. They always seem to like have an epiphany from just staring at a table full of cluttered ass photos. Well, I, well, I mean she's <laughs> holding each one up, but I mean she's supposed to be like the world's greatest. Minds I suppose, but this. like they, they always just use that sort of uh, you know that. <laughs> I, I completely <laughs> that. agree with you. Just staring at photos. After she's just, done staring at the photos, uh, we um, we realize that there's like an outside voyeur perspective. Yeah, outside voyeur perspective, and then she goes to take a shower, mm-hmm. and uh, 
in the shower scene, she she lays out like this black dress on her bed and then goes to take a shower. And you kind of see from the perspective that someone's in her house. She doesn't know this. But yeah, you the camera, see someone, camera's kind of walking around. It's kind it of becomes like, like a FPS, like a first per, a, yeah, like, a first person shooter. <laughs> first person perspective. Yeah, like a POV type of <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, there it is. Jesus, and, listen to me. And uh, when she gets out of the shower, she re- she looks on the bed and her red dress from the very beginning, that red pantsuit type of now thing, laid is out. now laid on the bed. And she's kind of taken back and... She's like, what the hell? Puts it, hangs it back up because mm-hmm. she's thinking, you know, maybe I was just drunk. Yeah. Or, did I do that with between my pills and my booze? She even says that later. She's like, I don't know. I was fucking. Uh, and then we get another shot of our detectives back at the at their office. And this is yeah, this is where we realize the MJ Nick connection. Yeah. There's more dick measuring going on because uh, Ruben brings back sushi and, and a hidden quarter pounder in his pocket. Yeah. And the. <laughs> And then the Nicoletti shows up, that character, and they have a little spat about... Was that the, was that the sushi scene? Yeah, I think so, because he was like, I got some food here for you if you want any or oh, something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. And you could just find out that there was a thing going on between Nick and NJ. It's slowly building. Yeah. Well, there, there, there was something before, and now Nicoletti has this sort of jealous tension... Because he sees Ruben and her like are hanging out like, all the well, time. Well, they're an effective partnership. Exactly, it's a partnership without yeah. be, with being non-romantic, you know, and things like that. So and he, Helen is uh, not Helen. MJ is waiting at the station overnight because they're like, you know, Helen's going to call us. And right. Finally, she calls, and, and then they we, talk. Over we get the, another scene back into Helen's house, and this is where she, uh, Helen makes the connection that the killer is the imitating. killer is imitating the Boston Strangler at the time because she goes. Well, look at the two photos. I like well, she up. asks, she goes, where's the, uh, where's the stalking in this photo? Yeah. Like, like, how, how do you, how know, do you that? know that? Yeah, it's yeah. like, well, it's the Boston Strangler. Like, this it, is what he's doing. Yeah. It's a match for match, like perfect shot of the original. And I think they were using the original photos. I think it was too. If, of, if it was a recreation, it was good. It was but, really good. I think they're using the original photos of the Boston Strangler. And, you know, that's when we figure out that we kind of have a, a cop. They, they don't really say copy. Does she say copycat on this one? I don't know if they used the term right then because I think that's their first... Uh, it's it's their first time it's their first seeing that, that that he's copying that killer, and I don't I'm, I can't remember if they're if they were thinking okay maybe he's gonna co- copy the Boston Strangler more, but it's not until the other the other uh, murders that they discover that he's he's copying multiple other famous killers before him. <clears throat> and then they leave, and then it's nighttime again. Helen's on her she's playing she's uh, playing her online chess, chess again. You see she- that classic '90s fish tank screensaver? <laughs> if, if you were a Oh yeah, yeah, a young yeah. person in the nineties. <laughs> just the yellow and red fish. I was kind of hoping thing. it was. I think it was a Windows thing. The the laser lines that were like. Yeah, I remember those. And the, like the the pipe. Yeah, the little three D pipe. pipe thing. Gosh. Sheesh. Millennials will never know these days. Well, I mean, we are, we are millennials. millennials yeah. <laughs> uh, so and then Helen gets an email, Ooh. which says, uh, "Watch this," and it's like tomorrow.avi. Yeah. And she clicks on it, and it's a—it's essentially a GIF. It, it well, it starts out as a video, right? Of uh, it. This is nineteen. This is this movie came out in ninety five. <clears throat> this takes place in nineteen ninety four because uh, San Francisco is doing the twenty five years of Summer of Love. Oh yeah, festival, which has been going on. They kind of talk about it a few times, and we see this girl kind of dancing this redhead mm-hmm. at the Summer Love Festival, and then her face changes and like the skull is like, yeah, rah, 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 yeah, rah. and they make oh, 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 yeah, and then like, it turns into death. a computer virus type of thing, and she gets freaks out, calls MJ and Ruben, they come on over. They do a lot with 
the nineties internet. They were really showcasing a lot of, of like that, or that tech in its infancy. Yeah. I wonder if Apple like gave them some Maybe, money because they do, they do focus a lot on the computer. The computer is pivotal to There's a lot, a lot of early Photoshop yeah. in it. And, and I, I wrote down, uh, she gets an email slash gif slash bad nineties internet new as fuck. And I, and I say GIF as a matter of, of of a point here because it's a graphic graphics interchange format. I think you so mean it's, GIF. It's not a GIF because it's <laughs> not it's not graphics. It. Just messing. Do you want to eat some drapes <laughs> while you're gifs. at it? Everyone's seen that little clip. Yeah, no, I, just, I just wanted to drive that one home. Uh, Thank Hel- you. It's a GIF. <laughs> Helen is pretty upset. Um, Ruben ends up staying over, and uh, and we kind of find out beforehand uh, after the panic attack scene that. Uh, uh, Andy, her assistant's kind of like, you know, the cop was cute, don't you think? And Helen's joking around, yeah. like, you know, oh, we she, have an openly gay character here. Yeah, we have an openly gay character, which, you know, we, you kind of think, but you don't know just yet. I mean, in yeah. San Francisco. For sure. Um, and we find out she hasn't had sex in, you know, like 14 months or something yeah, like that. Yeah, she so says like, that specifically. She's like, I miss sex. I miss sex, yeah. Mwah. And and during the scene, when Ruben stays over, um, she kind of flirts with Ruben. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he kind of. You kind of see him shut her down a little bit because he's like, "Well, you're my, yeah, you know, you're my witness right now." So it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. In any I other gotta chance, ma- I gotta maintain my professionalism yeah. right and, now and because Ruben, I'm super fucking cute. The reason like Nick makes fun of Ruben all the time is because he is kind of a player. <clears throat> you know, we do see scenes of a uh, couple clips of him talking to people on phone. He's so. super cocksure. Exactly. You know? <laughs> he's, yeah, he's a good-looking police officer. He's playing it. He's my dad's age actually. When I look this up, this guy is roughly about the same age as my dad. So that's fun. I try, to, I try to imagine my father, like, in the mid-90s, like, about my age. I think he turned 33 uh, in 96, maybe? If he's Something like that. I think it was 95. I think it was 95, actually, because he was born in 63. So he was about my age now, then. Then? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I and, wonder what and, he was like. Did, did they tried to play the video. I, mean, I remember. They, they tried to play the video back. But not as an adult. Yeah, go ahead. On the, on the computer. And it's like a virus. It deletes yeah. itself. And they're, they're talking a lot of 1995 computer. Lingo. Lingo. Like, <laughs> oh, she's got a backup on tape and all this yeah. stuff. Like, it just... Doesn't he ask that if there's a backup on tape? And they're like, no, dude, no, no. She's she like says, digital she says, media. She says, check the tape, and he's like, oh, she's got a backup on tape. And he's doing all this computer jargon. And NJ goes, like, how did you learn all this? He's like, a misspent youth in arcades. I'm like, how does a video yeah. game arcade teach you about 1995 computer technology? Well, a lot of it, again, a lot of it was very new. So I think they just kind of like went with whatever sounded accurate at the time because I don't think every household had a home computer yet. I think I did by that point because my dad was like really into that stuff. I want to say I had one. It was the first big... It wasn't a really good one. No, it was was like one of the first affordable ones where you had the big tower that sounded like a robot was dying every time you I don't think that was 95. Dial up? Dial up? I don't... Dial up internet? Hell yeah, you bet. It all blends together. Uh, And now the next scene is the first time we see our serial killer. Yeah, and he's... We don't know his name. He's in his little creep lab. Well, not yet. This is a, he's in his house. Well, yeah, he's just screen watching. It's just close ups of, no, his, we, of we his eyes. Did, we already right? did that. Oh, all right. Yeah, we well, then, did that same. Yeah, well th- according to my notes, we're seeing his creep lab where he's just he's like working and like he's got all this shit posted up. And then, and then you see that he has a well, he has the chick on the table. This is yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. That's what yeah, I'm talking yeah. Well, about. well, first he we we just see him talking to this girl in a bed. That's right. Like his girlfriend. Like a bag on her what oh no, that's right before the, the upstairs before woman yeah the upstairs yeah. woman so we realize that he kind of has a relationship she's like do you want to sit down and watch letterman with me and uh, <laughs> he's like oh sure he's no. like no he's like no i'm good and she's like i love you and he's like 
me too. Me too. And then like <laughs> she goes to kiss him and he just kisses her on the forehead. Yeah. Like I don't know if she's like bedridden. I'm not sure what you, her deal was. You only was. see her once again, and she's in the bed. But you'll, you'll find right. out later. But was that their relationship I to him? Was that his so, lover or girlfriend or sister, mother? I don't think it was his mother. It didn't look old enough. Right. It maybe it was supposed to be her. But, I don't know. But I think like the kiss on the lips type of thing, and the okay. So she was definitely. I think it was like his girlfriend to just have like some kind of beard. Like, yeah, as they yeah, say, a serial beard. You know, like... <laughs> Serial killer's beard, and then he he goes down <laughs> he goes downstairs, unlocks the basement, and this is where we see like his workshop. It's got Man. newspaper clippings, photos of Helen, everything, and then we see the redhead that we saw on the computer yeah. virus stretched out on this table. He has all these really nice medical instruments, and she has a bag over her head. Yeah, he's sort of like asphyxiating her, and then he and then he like pops a hole, pops right, a hole in the bag, let her he's breathe. saving her. Oh, yeah, he's I'll, like, I'll take care of you. Yeah, I told you I'd take care of you, and then he injects her with like Windex. Yeah, you know, and then a bunch of hippies find the body the next day, and this is supposed to be a this copy of the hillside, the hillside strangler, hillside strangler or killer. I think it's the hillside killer. I thought it was the hillside strangler because they were. I'm not sure. I think in the next scene when, when there's there's more dick measuring after this because hillside strangler. Okay, yeah. So, because the next scene, when after the cops find the body, they're up on a windy hill. A bunch of hippies had uh, found the body, and then we discovered that it was based on the Bianchi and Buono killings. Yeah, so are those kinda, are those similar? Are they the I same? I think they were like a duo. I'm not sure. I didn't know serial killers had team ups. I don't know if it was a team up or he just combined them, but um, I think it was sort of a combination. We get a we we get a thing. Uh, oh, and we also find out this is where um, we find out that Nick and MJ used to date. Yeah. Yeah, because there's another scene of dick measuring, and this time they're on top of the hill, and they almost get in a fight, fight yeah. in front of the press. And she's like, "Fucking, you cut want to be out. on the six o'clock news?" Yeah, fucking dicks. <laughs> um, they Put them away, them. boys. And uh, they basically Helen. Um, the reason we find out that it is the hillside strangler is yeah. that they, uh, MJ comes back and she's kind of talking to mm-hmm. her, and he's like, "Well." So she's like typing all these different things that Helen or that MJ is saying into her computer. She has like a yeah. fucking full database database of serial killer and this information. Is a, this is why I wrote like she's always with the snifter and this now she's this drunk sophisticate and she like has all these silly insights and I wrote acting because there was a lot of that happening <laughs> a right lot here. Of acting. Acting. And then you get more 90s computer fun. Yeah. And and uh and then and that's when she starts starts to piece together the the thing she's like, was it found by a no dumping sign? And she yep. shows the actual photo of the hillside strangler, and it's a. And then Jay's like, like, I could have taken this photo this morning. Boom, it's a yep. perfect shot for shot. Um, and then he goes on. He does the next killing pretty almost immediately. Immediately, he, he yeah. does the Berkowitz killing. Well, yeah. It, well, we also yeah we also have a um, another scene of the the serial killer doing some more Photoshop work. Okay, you know, when he's. He took a picture Breaking of out his programming skills. Yeah, he, again. T- he took a picture of the redhead in the bag and then kind of photoshops Helen's face into the bag. And it looks really good. And I'm like, there's no way the computer graphics. Good. There's no way. Because it does that morph effect it does. It's that like, you can only do. It goes like underneath <clears throat> the plastic. It's like, yeah, nah. that's not a computer trick you could no. do in the 90s at all. But yeah, yeah, it does. It jumps right into another killing. So this is where we kind of speed up the, uh, the t- not really a timeline, but he's. He, yeah, he starts to speed up his the frequency with which yeah, he's, he's doing more the confident in it. because he's starting to toy with he's having the cops. Fun. He's having the, fun. Yeah, he's having fun with it. Um, yeah, and we get to this uh, this girl who's pumping gas, and uh, no, she's just chilling in her car. No, she was pumping gas. What? You, you see her pumping gas first, and okay. then she gets into the car, and that's when he rolls up on the. Uh, and then that's when he rolls up. And he's okay. like, "Hey, I'm kind of lost. Can you help me out?" Ah. 
And he's got a map. And I was thinking, oh, yeah, there were no cell phones then. There was no GPS. Exactly. perfectly logical for somebody to walk up with a map. She, Helen calls Ruben on the, during that crime scene and basically explains like, what side of the car was she on? Yeah. Are you near a gas station? Are you near a gas station? Go look inside a phone booth. There's probably a note. She goes, was there, was there, was the radio on? And the cop's like, yeah, there was a radio. I turned it off. Is it the Partridge family? So you get a little clip of, do you think I love you? Type of stuff. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And then she goes, is there a phone booth? Yes. Go check and see if there's a note. Well, he's going to check to see if there's a note. Um, a car alarm goes off at Helen's apartment. Yeah. Now, Helen has um, a police officer stationed outside of her door. Yeah. And the car alarm goes off. And what does the cop do? He stands up and yeah. goes outside, just leaves the door. You ever been in your home at night, anywhere, anytime, actually, and you hear a car alarm? Do you immediately get up and go toward it? And then you go, hey, shut yeah. that fucking thing off. Yeah. Do I do? Well, I mean, I've had my neighbors do it before, but I'm like, I don't get up and go outside and go. If it's well, not your, yeah, what's yeah. going on out here? Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, it was like a Porsche or something. And I'm like, is the police officer just driving Didn't have a Porsche? The, the, the yeah, had like the flip guys. lights. Yeah. yeah. The flip lights. <laughs> and uh, the, the, 90s. our copycat killer, who we don't know his name yet. So we just call him copycat yeah. at the moment. And this is, this is when they discover through the note that somebody is heading toward her home. Yeah, the note yeah, cuz we don't see what's on the note. Right. We just know that um like cop cars just start going yeah. to her house. Mm-hmm. But during that scene they haven't gone to her house yet. Uh the copycat breaks into um Helen's house. She tries to leave actually and she gets paralyzed by her, her vertigophobic fear. I wrote paralyzed by fear and Dutch angles. And she goes, but she she's so scared. She goes back into the apartment where the intruder is. Yeah, and then Ski Mask does some parkour, and then we get a little more acting. It's not really parkour. I just gotta say parkour. I was it's, fun. It's, I wrote it down. Yeah, Come on, it's kind of him. Like, look, parkour. I'm a youngster. I can do this stuff. Yeah. And then we see more acting. More acting. Sigourney flips she grabs her like shit. a knife, and he. The minute that um, Ruben shows up, uh, the guy, the intruder, the copycat killer, jumps out of the window. Yeah, and he's, and he's, he's piecing gone. out. Yeah. Uh, in the next scene, um, doesn't wait. What does he leave? He leaves some something leaves behind, book, like a note. We haven't seen that yet. Okay, uh, is it, this where they discover? Well, th- this is where this is the. We go into a scene where he has written a note to the police, right? And it suggests the the song "Murder by Numbers" it, it, by it, the police. It actually is the lyrics to "Murder by Numbers." Okay, so it's I read it. I which can't, is I was I can't play "Murder by Numbers" because right, we would just copy big right? trouble. Um, but if you haven't heard that song, it's uh, by the police. But it's a clever, it's a clever little little nod to because the band is called the Police. <laughs> And and what he's doing is essentially murder by numbers. Yeah, murder by numbers. So and it's, it, it's kind of it, they have it, and it like self aware. It's weird because it, it's just the the song is playing, and then you find out that they listen to it on a radio because I mean it's really loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we realize that um, the lieutenant doesn't want right. uh, <clears throat> Helen to see. This he thinks letter. it's he thinks it's getting all out of hand, and her yeah. involvement in the in the whole case is 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 bringing more bad. Uh, press and more problems than it's than it's solving. Yeah, and putting her in more civilian, danger right. type of thing. So he says to uh, MJ Monahan that she doesn't want her to speak to Helen about the case anymore. Yeah, but then, immediately, immediately after that cuts, scene, boom, there he it is. cuts to Helen She's holding the actual physical talking. Note. Yeah, like that note. No, but the note's not even in like like a police. Uh, Storage or whatever, like no. an evidence. No, she's holding it in her hand. Well, are we supposed to assume maybe she made a copy? It was in a bag. Oh, it was in the evidence it was in bag. The evidence bag. Oh, well then, yeah, and I'm like, no one's gonna heck? miss that. Uh, uh, so yeah, she's reading the um, 
reading the note and she's trying to break it down, which I didn't really like that scene where she's like, okay, yeah, they're breaking down the lyrics and she's like, well, maybe it's this, maybe it's that, maybe I'm like, no, it's just a yeah, and that's where I was like, oh, come on, they tried to make come on movie. They, I think, I feel like there were additional scenes. I, uh, there were a lot of rewrites. There was some. There was this scene. I think was maybe part of the rewrite because an early version of the script had MJ written as a man. Uh, okay. Where there was supposed to be like a romance between uh, okay. Helen Hudson and MJ Monahan because that could easily be a man's name. Yeah. And they rewrote it to be a woman. And I don't. I mean, I guess by you know today you could see a woman and another woman have a romantic yeah. angle in a movie, but it was the '90s and. Shit was weird, and actually, I think it works better because I don't really don't like forced romance in movies where, in situations where that otherwise wouldn't happen in a, in a natural world. Well, I don't know. Truth is stranger than fiction, so there's that. Um, but yeah, and I think I think that's where some of the stuff they kept in the script that was changed from before. It, but but I'm not there's sure. There's also the, there's a scene where right after she's done reading the note and trying to break it down the lyrics, we 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 actually see what our copycat killer does for a living, and he works in like a sperm facility. Okay. Okay. Because that's what I, that's what I wrote down. Is like killer works on a sperm lab. Yeah, it's like a sperm <clears throat> lab because she says. Uh, I think she breaks it down like, okay, he's got to be in his twenties. He, he that's he's a technical a profession. Technical profession. Yeah. And then it cuts to this, and he switches out some vials um, in his laboratory. You see him grab three out of the freezer, put it in his pocket, take three out, and then put it in. Which I think I feel like this scene was should have been later in the movie because it's something that we learn later. Yeah. You know. The- so. There was a lot of the movie does jump around a lot, not not in a time. I feel like maybe it was an editing issue, like maybe they just yeah. popped a scene in. So you're not quite sure. You're like, okay, it does a technical job, and then later we hear something, which this scene would have been better right after that. Yeah, you know. I think I think the reason they stuck that in there was because she just like made that connection. Connection, yeah. Uh, and so we had to see it to confirm well, her first, theory. When you're watching the movie, I'm thinking maybe the guy's like a works at like a one hour photo type of deal because yeah, he's well, always got a camcorder and he's working on computers, working on photos and stuff. I thought he was like, like a like, video editor, or like something. in Red Dragon. Homeboy worked in that. Yeah, uh, the, the the video, video copy video. store or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that movie. That's a real good one. Which is the only time I'll ever say that Brett Ratner made a good movie. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Well, uh, later that night, Helen is uh, getting ready for bed, and she lays, lays down her bed, and, and she sees like an ant on her, and she's like, what the hell? And there's she an finds ant. more ants, more ants, more ants. She whips it off. There's just ants all over the edge of her bed. Yeah, it's kind of like the horse head scene in Godfather, but it's just a shit ton of ants. Well, yeah, and, and it's funny because earlier, when he broke into her house earlier, she was, she was looking at the bed. Remember? Mm-hmm. Earlier, yeah. she's like, I gotta look at my bed. So <clears> it's right. like, there's these weird connections that I'm like... Are, are, were these scenes supposed to be flipped or switched? Right. When does he decide to visit her, and and how does he do it so surreptitiously? Yeah, it's just all the like. Dude, and her- why? Like, if if I understand, like, it, their whole idea is is a killer like that wants to not just kill. It's all about the the perform the performative the performance, the psychological the, uh, the control like, you have over someone, yeah. and it's just all this performative fucking playing the game. bullshit. Yeah. yeah. And, and under the bed, uh, covered in ants, is a book with a severed finger in it. Well, it was a finger, right? Yeah, yeah. A severed finger in a book, and the book was the was written by Daryl Lee Daryl Lee Cullum. So the the original serial killer. Yeah. So she she knows he knows what what it is that will trigger her and using it, the, the traumatic events of her life a you know, year before from the guy who wrote this book to to trigger her even more and and sow those seeds of of fear. And uh, MJ suggests that we should that they need to talk to Daryl Lee. So they decided to do a video conference. Yeah, early Skype. 
early Skype. And again, Harry, more more showcasing of uh, technological features in computers and internet at the time. Harry which Connick, did not work that well. No, I guarantee you, their their connection it, it was probably yeah, terrible. There was no lag, no it, like whatsoever. It was there, a perfect conversation. Yeah, perfect. Um, so they do the the video conference, and uh, you hear Harry kind of. We get a mention of the serial killer's name. They call him. He calls him Peter Curtin, and we find Ooh. out. Yeah, he says Peter Curtin. And uh, which is not his real name, but a, uh, a name that he would write to Daryl Lee with. And yep. Helen's like, oh, well, that was a 1900 serial killer. And he's like, you know, what a smart man. Actually, yeah. Uh, so the killer does use Peter Curtin. It's a little piece of trivia here. And this is also a copycat reference to the so-called Vampire of Dusseldorf, on whose activities Fritz Lang's M from 1931 was based. Oh. Boom, boom, boom. Look at that connection. Connection! Um, we also find out, and the, the scene earlier when uh, he switches the vials of sperm, we find out that Peter, Peter Curtin um, gave Daryl Lee Colm $500 for his spirit. That's what I called it, his spirit. Um, yeah. So that, you know, his uh, <laughs> his legend would live on, his spirit would live on. So that's, right. why, that's why I found it a little weird that the scene wasn't later on of him switching the... Uh, the thing because he's like, oh well, I'm, I was supposed to meet him. Yeah, you know, my buddy's gonna switch to my spirit out. Yeah. tonight, tonight, or something like that. But he well, already, that's why we saw him swapping shit. Yeah, in but the, uh, he did it earlier, so that's why I was like, maybe, maybe Daryl Lee Collins fucking well, with don't them. they? Don't they later find two types of seminal fluid on another? That that was in the uh, the the hillside strangler. Okay, but it was just random sperm because he works at a sperm bank. He can just grab shit. He's because okay. one had to be a, a secretor, one had to not be a secretor. Right. So this is where this is where I started to mix up. Am I thinking about Mindhunter again? <laughs> <laughs> like what's happening? Um, so Colum demands yeah. makes a demand makes a demand. He goes, "I'll help you out, Doc. If um, if I <laughs> if I can get a pair of your squirrel covers." Yeah, and squirrel covers, thankfully, is a <laughs> slang term that never caught on for ladies' <laughs> panties. So don't and he, ever. And he, he wants them signed. Yeah, him. you want some. How, how do you sign panties? I don't know. A really good perm. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they're cotton. You just maybe, maybe it's something I, I've never even oh, heard he, of. No, before. he said he said, he said I'm almost the sexy one. Making an old school reference. Ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and then he kind of cotton. He, lace? he does he does this little thing where he uh, compares himself to Jesus. Yeah, and uh, I have that clip. So uh, this here is, we go. This is them kind of towards the end of the early Skype conversation. Because Jesus kept you alive for a reason. He knew Satan was in my heart raising my hand to kill you. And Satan, he knew I had a good six, seven years of appeals before they dropped them cyanide tablets. And I'm just like Jesus. I got disciples too. And they ain't just dying to do whatever I ask them to do as long as I just say the word, Doc. I'm death and life to you, Doc. Death and life. Yeah, death and life. Death and life. So yeah, that's the the. Well, that sort of concludes that scene. Uh, yes, it does. Um, because um, they're we go back to the we go back to the police station. Yeah, now, the entire time. Uh, so the 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 Nick character is uh, the, they've been trying to get him on the serial killer task force. Yeah, and he's uh, working with has, but he's working with a thing called Chinatown, like this Chinatown problem. That's all you hear, Chinatown. Yeah, yeah. Do Chinatown problem. And, yeah, and the whole police station is now filled with uh, with China Chinatown people. 
Yeah, basically. Well, Asian Americans. Asian Americans. I believe is the preferred nomenclature. <laughs> well, it's it, it's like a bunch of gang members. I guess, yeah, like they're trying to triads or something. It's like a something. vice. I think he works for Vice yeah. at the time. And you get this. <clears throat> well, he he makes a mistake and leaves a set of keys in a drawer. Yeah, Nick, uh, the the Will Patton character, yeah. uh, sits like one of the guys down and puts this his guy's gun. Got a bowl cut. Yeah, puts his gun <laughs> in his like desk drawer and goes to lock it, but then gets distracted and leaves the keys yeah. in the drawer. So he the guy gets into the drawer as you would. Handcuffed uh, behind his back. Handcuffed behind his back and somehow gets the uh the gun out and doesn't he also? Does he also use the key to? I think he yeah he unlocks undo his himself. own cuffs. And then uh, Ruben, our Ruben character, Ruben comes back. Comes in, he's got some donuts. No, Ruben uncuffs him. Oh, that's right. That's right. Ruben's like, hey man, you want a donut? You know, yeah, yeah. Uncuffs go ahead. the guy. You gonna behave? Yeah. Uh, you gonna behave? And the minute he uncuffs him, bam. Which is off. weird because the guy's got a gun. Was he sitting on the gun? Maybe. I don't like, even how do you know. Uncuff a guy holding a gun behind his right, back. Right. Yeah. Well, we got a lot of inconsist- inconsistencies through yeah. this movie, and this is. I I didn't understand this scene entirely. Because I felt like it was shoehorned into otherwise pretty full uh, plot, and yeah. now we have this random standoff. And I think I think they just did it because they had to do this. They wanted some kind of crazy. Dynamic. They needed to anchor you emotionally to yeah. the story by you know offing a main character, and which is what happens. So essentially, the, that's what happens. The, here. the, the Asian American guy. Who knows if he was American? He's just the Asian guy. Right? Yeah, he's Asian. Yeah. So he comes. Uh, he grabs the gun, points it to. Uh, Ruben's head and in an entire right. police department. They all pull out their guns and he's screaming in his own language. He can't well, understand. No he, one can understand him. He gets out into the lobby. Gets out in the lobby. And all the while, Monaghan is heading back to the office. Yes. And she comes up behind it. And this is sort of a callback to the, to the beginning, beginning with where the she shoot just, in the shoulder. Yeah, shoot him. So they, she shoots she the does guy. just that. She shoots the guy in the <clears> shoulder <throat> and the guy falls down. And then it just wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. And when, um, Ruben goes to grab like his leg sidearm. Uh, the guy gets up and just fires another one. Fires into him, a yeah. couple shots into. Uh, well, there's one good just one. Just one, yeah, right through right the, through the chest. center mass, kills him. And Ruben's dead. And he buys the farm. Yep, Ruben is dead. And that that becomes like the big like sort of emotional anchor that's supposed to yeah. grab you by the heartstrings and, and, and pull you into the the stakes of the story. MJ's like I'm gonna. Avenge type of thing. Well, she goes immediately to Helen and informs her so that she wouldn't have yeah. to learn via and the press. And we find out that MJ thought that Helen and Ruben slept together, which... Right, they didn't. They didn't. Uh, she's like, no, I didn't do that. Uh, meanwhile, while they're talking about that, a voicemail uh, yeah. kind of... And it's a clip of her from her from lecture. Her, her lecture from the very beginning of the, the thing. She picks it up uh, real quick. And the, the phone hangs up. Now, right before this, um, Andy, her assistant, mm-hmm. is going out to the celebration of love with uh, yeah. his friend, partner. We're not really quite sure. Just another man. Yeah. And when when she answers the phone and she's like, and she goes, Peter Curtin. And the phone hangs up. It cuts directly into the loudest gay club yeah. known to me called the Sound Bar, I think it was called. Uh, the Soundtrack Bar? Sound, I think it was Sound Bar. Something like called. that. Yeah, he's he's standing. When you hear the the. The recording. Uh, the recording. It, it's, it's clear. It's clear. It's crystal clear. It's like a, it's a scene from the movie, basically. Yeah. And it cuts to him in the club at a payphone with a recording device <laughs> held up to the receiver on the phone. To a payphone. To a payphone. A payphone. And otherwise, and it's just like fucking music plan. Yeah. How the hell? How the hell do you, do you not hear that music if you're standing in a crowded club? And uh, anyway, he's uh, our, our serial killer, um, our copycat, is uh, dressed very... 
nicely. Um, his yeah, hair is slicked he's back. He's dressed to impress. He's trying to. He's kind of uh, dancing. He's moving around. He's yeah. got two margaritas. He spikes one of them. Those look like white Russians. No, they were like in a fancy glass. Pina coladas? Pina coladas. That's there what it is. Well, that's it. What kind of. Uh, uh, that's, I want a pina colada. What kind of. What do you call that kind of glass? I, it's not a. It's not a Collins. It's not a highball. It's, yeah, I don't know. It's like a hurricane glass. Hurricane, hurricane glass. Gl- yeah, I think so. Whatever. It's a glass. It's a goddamn. It's one of those like bell shaped things that you see. <laughs> a Fiori, if you will. So he spikes one of them uh, and he goes up and hands one to Andy and another one to his <clears throat> partner. And after he had uh, uh, clandestinely slipped uh, or he drugged it, he dosed it. Yeah, he dosed it. He dosed Andy. And we've. We go back to Helen's house. Another mm-hmm. cut to Helen's <clears throat> house. And um, they're asking her, like, did maybe this guy, it, like, because it's a, a, it's well, a it's an audio to, recording of her lecture. And, and she, they start and to presume it's a student. They start to presume it's a student. It's like, where did you get this lecture? Where's the last time you gave this lecture in um, <clears throat> San Francisco? Right. And she looks up the order of, like, she looks up her speech, basically. Yeah. And she finds out that the order these killings are happening in is the order that she orated. Yep. And um, mentioned to each of these killers. Each one. And, in that same sequence. And she's like, oh my god, the next one is going to be Dahmer. Yep. And <clears throat> that's almost exactly what happens. So, so we, the next we, morning. Well, well, we cut to. Um, oh, you see him. Like, we see him. We see our. Bagging our, his head yeah, in an alley. Yeah, he's like, uh, we got the copycat killer with a bag over Andy's head, banging it around, knocks yeah. him out, and yep. then pulls out a, uh, like a hacksaw. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we cut to the morning of them finding a headless body floating in the San Francisco And it's clearly Bay. Andy because it's got the same, got the like, same shirt pants and everything. shirt. Yeah, this very vibrant interesting kind point, of Hawaiian shirt. Interesting point about this is... Did you write down the actor who played Andy? Because he looked familiar. No, I That's didn't. Right. I should have. He's kind of a throw-off character. He's, he's, but. I've seen him in other stuff, too, but... Okay, what kind of, what kind of like, uh, is, is weird here is, like, he's been copying these murders to a... a uh, an accurate degree all the way through. Yeah. But the Dahmer one is weird because Dahmer never would have disposed of the body. Of the that bodies. Way. He, some, he, would, he used to keep the heads and, and he stuff as head, trophies yeah, he would keep and the heads, parts of them. And he would, uh, he would, he would like uh, sulfuric acid. He would, uh, yeah, he would dissolve, he would dissolve uh, the, the body parts down and yes. then so they couldn't find them. So it is a little weird that he dumped it. We didn't really do the research on Dahmer. I, I don't I, know if well, he ever I, I, did. I, he ever dump a body, or no, maybe they he found never, a headless body. Yeah, and didn't know who it was. Yeah, you know. And so this is the only one that's not exactly copying any of Dahmer's work, save for the fact that he targeted a gay man and removed his head. Yeah, that's about it. That's about it. Yeah. Um. So then they determined that he's going to be doing the Bundy the killings Bundy next, killings based three, on what they, dis- they said. What they discovered. Three, yeah. Um. Which is weird because they talk about the three, but I don't remember seeing the three happen. I don't think he got around to it. I yeah, think, I think uh, she was going to be one, mm-hmm. and then they were going to be... Or no, I I know why. Why? Why he didn't get to the other two is because... Okay, so the was final... Was going to be the first woman in his house that he kills, and it was supposed to, was it supposed to be Holly oh. Hunter and then Sigourney? One, two, three? Maybe, maybe that or is... Or did he just botch it because he's... he's... Yeah, but, but uh, Bundy never shot anybody, I don't think. Did Bundy... I don't know how he killed anyone. He, he was a necrophiliac, wasn't he? I suppose I, I didn't jump I, into all the Bundy stuff. Yeah, I on remember this one. seeing like one of the Bundy biopics. Well, the, the movie back in the just day. came out. There's another one. I remember seeing the one incredibly in like the, vile and extremely wicked or something. It came out like last yeah, year. Yeah, it was on Netflix. Netflix, yeah, with uh, no, the, Zac Efron. I saw one that came out in like maybe '98, something like oh, that. Um, I don't it was know. pretty good. Okay, so uh, they find out it's Bundy, and Bundy used to drive around a uh, VFW Bug. Mm-hmm. So they do a registration, kind of run the plates of all VFW Bugs registered in the city. Yep. And 
the guy who was with Andy IDs IDs, him, IDs like, the boom, guy because they're looking at a bunch of driver's licenses like that's the guy he gave us a drink they went on the dance floor we never saw Andy again and that's when we figure out his real name is Peter Foley. Peter Foley. Peter Peter Foley. And so Helen actually creates and sends a return animation. She sends it to all. Sends it to all? No, she sends all. Like text and picture oh, and okay. graphic. I thought it was send to all. Like she just sent no. it to like her entire mailbox. There's a spe- or... specific okay. like web address. So she, she photoshops. Was it Bundy being married or was it just a random photo? I want to know who the photo was because I... it didn't look like Ted Bundy. I don't know, dude. Like, it was like it was like a wedding photo, or you know what? It might have been one of Bundy's, one of his victims. Victims, maybe, and like in up. her own like wedding photo. In her own wedding photo, yeah. So she it had to have some significance. Some significance. Uh, I'm, I'm, I might be failing on IDing what that is now, but it had to have clearly yeah. had some significance. So to him. he, she sends him a, a Photoshop picture of like a wedding dress, and she says, "I'm ready. I'm ready." And then the a GIF where uh, the man's face turns to a skull. Yeah. So that's what I was thinking. Maybe he didn't. I think he did like he killed. Well, he pissed her. He she pissed him off. Yeah. So I think that's why he's like, "Fuck it, you're gonna be first. Yeah. You know. Um. So well, they 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 get the address from the uh, from his getting ID by the driver's yeah. license. They go to his home like raid style, and uh, once they are inside, they they're, see they're about to go inside, and then the basement catches on fire. Well, the basement catches on fire af- after they go back downstairs and discover from going. Yeah. They went upstairs and discovered that homegirl was, was dead. Before the the fire's happening, and then they rush in real quick, and then they go upstairs. However, the sequence plays out. They find a dead body in there of one of the women that was living there. The woman that was living there with the him. One, yeah, the one that was like, "I love you." Watch Letterman. And then he yeah. shot in the head, and then the whole house just <laughs> explodes, as you know things do in movies. Now. After that explosion happens in the house, um, we go to Helen's apartment, and there's once a again little ding dong at the door. She <clears throat> looks through the people, and there's two police officers, and they're having a laugh. <laughs> she opens up the door, and boom! One of the police officers is Peter Foley, our copycat killer, and, and just he slices, slices the other dude's throat. Now, because uh, we we may have found something that um, continuity error. He slices his throat. It, yeah, it's it's a it's a regular Caucasian police officer, mm-hmm. right? He knocks out, um, punches Helen in the Helen, face, yeah. and then you know he's saying like, "I'm gonna get you. It's your turn now." Yeah. and he drugs all the while her. Monahan is on her way. Yeah, Mon- her Monahan's apartment. on her way because they because they didn't find Peter Foley at right. the house. So she, in her instincts, suggests, "Okay, maybe, maybe he's over here." And so, and she's right. And when she walks into the the hallway leading up to uh, Helen's apartment, she sees another corpse of an, uh, an African American police officer. Yeah, and he was only a few feet away from where the front door, door is. So yeah. we're, we were like, how could he be standing there having a a, a chin wag with, <laughs> with the other cop? Officer, as there's a and, dead and, yeah. yeah with another cop over here. Unless we're supposed to accept that he placed the bodies there after the fact. Yeah, or maybe like he. The police officer was coming back up. I have no idea because it was like a slit throat yeah, type of deal. It sure was. It was awfully. Uh, it was just something we violent. noticed. It, it wasn't that big of a deal. It's weird that the second the f- second cop didn't see first cop's murder because it would have happened only like five feet away from him. Mm-hmm. So anyway, jumping through, jumping through. MJ goes into the house. She's looking around and she finds a TV on and a little piece of paper says "push play." Yep. And we see uh, Peter Foley basically tied up. Um, like a knocked out, drugged, 
Yeah, she's incapacitated and, and bound, and she's wearing the red dress from the lecture at the beginning of the movie. And he's like, is, if, you, if you're a smart police officer, you'll know where to find us, and if you're even smarter, uh, you'll come alone. Yeah. <laughs> and so essentially what happens is is he, he kind of bookends the movie with what happened at the beginning of the movie, where he recreates the events of the traumatized column, her. Yeah, yeah. At the very beginning when uh, Harry Connick's doing the stuff. So when she wakes up, she's already she's strung up in yep. the same bathroom stall wearing mm-hmm. the same dress. At one point, like her shoes are on and he's like, wait, this is isn't yeah, right. not right. Takes one of her shoes off and lays it perfectly down next to the toilet, next to the toilet um, and brought in the other one of the brought cops, in one corpses. Of the police, cops, police corpses, laid it. And he's like, is this right? Moving the head around. Yeah, tried to get the position right based on the photos, you know, for accuracy and all that. And I'm getting a lot of James Marsden vibes off of him here. Yeah, he's got a very <laughs> 90s split down the middle got that hair. Yeah. 90s do 90s do that's what I wrote down uh, <laughs> um, and so MJ uh, goes off to the rescue and before she does she dons a bulletproof vest which is smart yeah yeah she's doing that Yeah, right before she left she puts on a bulletproof vest and when she's walking down the hall of the bathroom she trips a, a, a motion sensor alarm that, yeah. that Peter Foley had set up and he's like you know see that's the problem what David Lee Collum didn't do is he didn't plan for this yeah and uh, <laughs> trips the sensor and he she goes into the, the bathroom and sees was Helen like a, strung up, but she yeah. got tape over her mouth because yeah. she doesn't want to... Well, she's trying to, like, uh, like eyeball it. Eyeball, but, like, give her uh, the clue of, like, what's happening, but so she checks the, not uh, working. She checks the closet, which is where... Well, she fires into a mop closet, yeah, thinking maybe he's where, hi- well, hiding in there. that's where Lee Collum was oh, when he okay. killed the officer okay. first. And then she starts kicking through the uh, the stalls and sees a dead police officer. Yeah. And what we notice is that the dead Peter, cop on the floor, the dead cop on the floor is Peter Foley kind yeah. of faked her out and he grabs her from behind and recreates um, the little speech uh, from Harry Connick, which I have that. So you can kind of hear Peter Foley trying to be David Lee Collum. And uh, Heard that. here it is. That's my gun, isn't it? Now, what in the world are you doing with my gun? Huh? Get your ass over here. Come on, Doc. Help me out in this situation. What do I do? Do I stick her or shoot her? Shoot her or stick her? Huh? Come on, Doc. Help me out. <laughs> she fights back. Yeah, it doesn't really happen the same way. No, not at all. So he shoots uh, MJ. Okay, so this is twice. Yeah, actually, this is where we had a bit of a like a like a head scratcher, is because she's we know she's wearing the vest, and we know that we know that that's going to be you know like the little plot device that allows her to survive. The first shot goes through her shoulder. Yeah, it looks like it hits the mirror behind her. Yeah. And then he shoots her again, it hits her vest, and then the mirror shatters, shatters again. again. So it didn't pass through her? Are we supposed to, again, like, and she's, intimate that, like, she's, she she's pretty just far away from the mirror, too. You don't, see her, it. you don't see really her hands hit it, unless maybe she, like, bumped the table. Well, was, it, was it her head that was supposed to be the thing <sighs> that hit? It breaks and shatters behind her as, yeah. if, as if a bullet had gone through. Um, yeah, I don't know. If you're not paying real close attention, it appears that way. So I was just like, wait a minute, what? She's wearing a vest. And and now she's laying on the floor, and uh, Peter Foley's gonna gonna slice her throat, and Helen just goes like, "Oh, she starts like taunting him, right?" No, that she she attacking is she just starts she starts hanging herself. 
Oh no, she taunts oh, when did, him. When did she? Was it before uh, MJ came in, where she starts taunting him and, and calls him impotent, attacks his manhood, and says like even Colum couldn't get it up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Something like that. I may have got that backwards because yeah, that, yeah, was, that at, happened at before. One point, yeah, no, yeah. At one point, um, Helen's like just fuck you type of stuff. And yeah. Okay. Spits so in his face. And, and and right after this, right before he, she he's getting ready to kill Monahan, she she just jumps off the toilet and starts hanging and herself. starts hanging herself. Yeah. And he's like, Nah, nah, wait, I'm he not starts done. Freaking out. He's yeah. like, No, don't do it, Helen. Stop it. So he he tries to like save her, and he ends, he ends up shooting the uh, the metal cable, and she falls down to the mm-hmm. floor. Um, because you know it, her killing herself isn't the gratification he wants. Right, he wanted you know, to her to be, see it all the way through. It's, it's gotta, gotta be, be planned. Very, yep. And uh, Helen ends up uh, stabbing. She grabs a shard, shard of glass from the broken mirror. The mirror, yeah, and and really gets him like right, in the, right, right above right, the knee. Yeah, like right in the. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you we both kind of went, ooh, that's gonna hurt. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> um, they struggle, stabs him. And then at one point, she's trying to reach for because he has his medical tools out. He's yeah, got, like scalpels. Um, yeah, I, I did forgot to I forgot to write that, that down. Yeah, at the very beginning, he's cutting her with a scalpel, and that's when she's spitting in his face. Oh, that's right, that's yeah. right. Uh, um, and then she sprays some kind of cleaning product in, in his, his eyes. Yeah, in his eyes because it and the cleaning product fell out when she sh- opened up the the closet. The closet. So she she actually gets on foot and flees the bathroom, and he's following close behind her. When she makes it to a rooftop. And like all good movies, at the climax, there's a rooftop scene climax. Yeah, and you know? the entire time she's having like her vertigo moment. Oh, the Dutch angles are back. Yeah, the minute the minute she opens up the door and realizes that she's outside, yeah. she's like ah, paralyzed by the whole thing, and she's screaming, you know, help me, help me, help me. So then, of course he catches up to her, you know, uh, with with no no limp in his leg after being stabbed. I think he's kind of like that. Is he? But okay, well, could be like adrenaline. I suppose, yeah. So there's the final confrontation on the roof. She's um, laughing. She's she's lost her mind. Yeah, she starts getting she's a little like, delirious. Just fucking do it. Yeah, yeah, like what are you gonna do? And and it's, it's weirding him out because it's not the fear Isn't that he the fear? wants. Yeah, she's accepted. She's yeah. like, you're just gonna murder me. Just do it. Get it over with. And so before he can actually follow through, dun, Monahan, dun, dun. Monahan, back to the rescue, fires a shot off, gets him in the arm, gets him in the arm. He drops the gun, drops the gun, and then instead of stopping there, she fucking unloads. Well, he turns into around him. and she just. Blasts him like the gets him in the center mass, center mass and in the head, and shoots him in the head, which is just like her partner was doing at the beginning of the movie, where she said shoot conservatively, but she was not very conservative with those bullets and fucking turned that guy into cheese. And <laughs> and then they just kind of walk away, and there is a final scene, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna let that scene be the very end, yeah, of the. Uh, <clears throat> Of the of the of the movie of the, or of the, of the, of the, of the cast, show of okay. the show okay because it, it's it's about a minute and twenty eight seconds so I'm gonna let that play out at the end but well a couple of final notes yeah. here did you have anything else on your end um I uh, don't think so wait let me just double check but what what would you rate this film uh I am gonna give this uh for our duck rating we already talked about the IMDb and yeah we already did that Rotten Tomatoes mm-hmm. all that score. Uh, I think I rated this a 5 out of 10 on IMDb, and then for our official duck rating, I was going to go with one duck, but I think I'm going to give it two, just because I think that all of the logical holes and otherwise like slow burn quality that this movie has, uh, it's helped better along by the, the acting. I think the acting really saved it. In some cases it was hokey and weird, but I think it, it made it better, because if the acting was bad... This movie would have been a chore. Did you give it a one or a two? To get through. I Sorry. give it two, Doug. Yeah. I think I'm going to agree with you on that. Yeah. I'm going to give it two. I like the movie, but it's not something, again, that I would just rewatch. I had to watch it twice, but 
I, I think I've got my fill for about 10 years on that. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's something I would put on if it was like on a Sunday afternoon or some shit. Uh, we I do have a rev- like a little review here. Um, Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun Times awarded it three and a half stars out of a possible four. Um, Good old Ebert. It gave it. A, they gave it a thumbs up on the Siskel and Ebert, citing that Holly Hunter's character <clears throat> was quote one of the most intriguing and three dimensional characters of the year. I do not agree with no, that. No, you don't agree with that. No, a three. I didn't think Holly Hunter's was a three dimensional character. I don't know you if it see, was three dimensions, but it was more than yeah, one. It was more than one, but it was not <laughs> three. I mean, because you don't. There's not much character arc in that. And she her. She has the most and, because and we know about. When did like, this come out? October. Uh, I think it came out October twenty seventh. I didn't write that down. I think it was October twenty seventh. I mean, in the list of of the year. I mean, Apollo thirteen. Yeah. I, I don't know how this could be the best character performance of the year. I don't. And again, I call Did he you, say one of the best or the best. He said. Uh, one of the most intriguing three to one of okay. the most, oh, but okay. even that I, would be a bold statement. Yeah, I, I would have said Sigourney Weaver gave a pretty three dimensional character, not Holly Hunter. In fact, <clears throat> it's funny you say that because Sigourney would later state um, that she was most proud of her work in this film yeah. and says that she tried hard to portray an agoraphobe accurately and regrets that the movie was lost in a shuffle of other other thrillers that came out at the time and, and isn't better remembered. So It did. Um, it, in 2001, uh, AFI, they, they would put out their 100 years of whatever. Was this in there? Uh, it was it was nominated for 100 years, 100 thrills. Okay. So it was nominated for, oh. to be. It didn't make it, but in it was. In a list of thrillers? Or? Yeah, thrillers. Okay. They're, they're thrillers, but it was nominated It's an for effective it. thriller, I'll give you that. Yeah, like, no, it, it, it is a genre of a thriller. I don't like sometimes when they do, like, this. what this movie did with you seeing the killer before any actual, like, detective work led us to the discovery to the, of yeah. him. You know, and it was really just him being ID'd by... Uh, by Andy's friend. Oh, when you rewatch this film, uh, there are two scenes where you see uh, Peter Foley <clears throat> at the very beginning when she has everybody stand up and she's talking about yeah. um, the twenty of the you know men are serial killers. Right. Uh, he is in one of the shots. He's not on the like when it pans by. He's in the audience. You see him. Right. And then also when um, Nick is kicking the serial. The, the guy who's like, I stabbed her 87 times when he's kicking him out of the oh, police yeah, station. Oh, yeah, he says hi. Yeah, yeah, the Peter Foley is standing yeah. in the station, and he's like, hey, what's going on? He even says it to Nick. Yeah, yeah. He's just looking around, and because you don't know who it is as right. a viewer at that time. <clears throat> right. But if you go back and watch it, he is in two previous scenes before you even find out. Um, let's see. Uh, so Harry Connick Jr., um, for this role, he's not in this very much, but I guess before he, the you know, in preparation, he spent weeks watching uh, documentaries on serial killers to get, you know, get, get in the right headspace. Um, Weaver, Sigourney is actually almost a foot taller than Holly Hunter, so that's why in many of the scenes she's seated. Sitting down, yeah, yeah. at her computer. <laughs> well, Holly Hunter is short. It's I mean, very she's, short. She's not very tall. <clears throat> um, and at roughly, this is kind of interesting, remember at roughly the 47-minute mark in the uh, German-dubbed version, the line Heil Hitler that she says is replaced... Uh, with yes, boss. Oh yeah, you, the, you can't say that in Germany. No, you, you will actually be thrown still in jail. Some deep for scars from uh, yeah. in the national psyche for that one. Uh, so that was one of the things they changed for the German version. Um, and and to research her role, Weaver actually consulted with uh, forensic scientist Park Dietz, uh, who had interviewed Jeffrey Dahmer to gain a little insight as to oh, that's cool. how a, a forensic uh, criminal psychologist would work. Um, so, Connie Jr. did say squirrel covers as slang for ladies' panties, which 
thankfully never caught on. But he got the idea from something his brother used to say. Yeah, I was like, I knew he got the idea from somebody else. Um, it took eight <laughs> days to film the uh, climactic bathroom scene, which is, seems kind of long it's, for that yeah, scene. Yeah, eight days eight for days. such a short little scene. Yeah. Well, maybe because like, they're stringing her up, she maybe. Like, There's probably a lot of like stunt work some, they had to be careful with. I don't, I don't know. know because some of those some of those scenes I was just in my nose and covering. There's a lot up. of squibs and like uh, stunts squibs, going but on. I think that like Sigourney when she's like kind of choking herself a little bit. Yeah. I think she's actually doing that. So maybe it was like it wouldn't leave marks on her neck. I, I have no idea. Maybe I don't know. Um, Hunter Holly Hunter hung out with homicide detectives in the area to also get prepared for her role. So they tried to immerse themselves in as much. Of what their characters do in real life to, and I couldn't you know. tell if they were like, were they San Francisco PD? Were they state? What were they? Uh, was it like FBI? It just said San Francisco Police on the did it on the thing. I just I just find well, it. Funny. It's a big city, she, so there's probably multiple precincts. Yeah, or some but, shit. and she also, I mean, I guess maybe she moved there. She has that thick Southern accent. And also, Will Patton yeah. has kind of a yeah. little bit of a Southern twang. That's true. So it was just a little. It didn't seem very California esque. Yeah, for San Francisco. What is what's the California accent? I don't know. <laughs> I've heard. That. Like, I've had people say that I, there are regional accents. Oh, there certainly I, are. I've had people ask me if I was from California. I've I had people ask means. me if I'm from like uh, New England, and I'm like, fucking what? No, I think it's just because you're big burly bear man. I suppose, but how does just, that how does that affect Boston? my accent? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Um, there is also in that climactic scene. Um, there's a the the point where. Sigourney Weaver spits in the killer's face at the end. Um, he actually, she actually did that without the actor's prior knowledge nice. in the scene. That's so, good. so his response, his reaction is this. genuine. That's good. Like the anger and I like, shock. I like hearing those types of <laughs> yeah. things. Um, and I think, oh, the last little piece of trivia I have here was is interesting. And I listed all this out of IMDb, so you can go look it up or refute it if you want to. But according to this little piece here. In 1995, due to the recent attack on two girls, of which one died, Copycat was banned in Abbotsford, B.C., Canada. In those cinemas, cinemas and many other on the lower mainland theaters followed suit. Uh, the similarities between the films Peter Foley and the real-life Abbotsford killer, Terry Driver, oh, wow. were enough for uh, local law enforcement to grow concerned about fueling Driver or panicking the public. So that movie wasn't seen there in, at that time. Gotcha. Maybe did they release it later? Do you know? Or I'm I'm sure if anybody over there wanted to watch it, they could find probably, it now. Probably, yeah. Uh, that's now that that's not in. No, there. I mean like in theaters. Like, did, they, did they just give like probably. six months or? Oh, I don't even know. Well, or they I mean, just banned it. Probably just overall. And if they really wanted to seek it out, they could go find it. Did you have a? <clears throat> did you have a favorite scene? I I like the beginning scene because I think it it sets up uh, the tone of the movie, like. Pointing out that most serial killers are white males, straight white males between 25 and 35. And also, I think it's interesting that they later find out that it is a student because the very first shot of the movie is a hillside full of full students. students. Yeah, it's like at a college so it's campus. Like, yeah, yeah. It's just like showing you right away, like, this is this is who it is. Well, I guess, I don't know if that was the intended... It, uh, this, movie, this movie is packed with a lot of information that I, I think they did correctly. <clears throat> um, again, like yeah. when when Helen is discussing things and giving information to the police, I, it does seem very real. It does seem like very textbook. Like they didn't sure. make anything up. It seemed to be by the book. I'm I'm sure they took a lot of creative liberties with it too. Because if if you're a cop and you watch any kind of cop movie ever, 
you're going to be like, that's that's no, incorrect. Well, I'm, I'm talking about the what what the doctor Helen was g- telling them. Like, oh, just like the information <clears throat> about Bundy, the information about all this stuff. I do. It's I probably think a very much, oversimplified yes, version, but, but it's, it's. I don't think they twisted any truth in what no. she was saying. Uh, my favorite scene. I like the squirrel cover scene. <laughs> I just I like Harry Connick in this in yeah. this movie. I really do like Harry Connick in this movie. I think uh, I think he did a great job in the character. Was there anything that you? I mean, we do kind of talk about. The, was there anything that you well, liked or disliked or anything? I, like I that? didn't. I I actually remember watching through this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I I didn't like it all that much. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't because the the main characters didn't carry it. What I did like that it was a two female lead. I thought that's cool. You don't have a you don't have a whole lot of that in the mid '90s, and much, and you still really don't really have a whole lot of that today. So that's a nice, refreshing, like change of pace. And where instead of the actors, yeah, I think it was just their two names <clears throat> on the poster, right? They're the the top they're build. the top build, yeah. yeah. And so it's cool to see leads in movies who are women who aren't also the damsel in distress, or or like you know they write in these tropes that that somehow make it. You know, unrealistic. So it's nice to see like <clears throat> that sort of dynamic in movies where most of the time women are written in as just side characters who are, you know, only as good as as the male counterpart that they meet later in the movie or whatever the hell. Career driven, career driven women who are written as somehow flawed because they focus on their career and they don't want to be live at home wives and shit. So I, 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 I like that. You like that? I I think I I, I agree with you. I like I like this movie because it is a it's not a very fast paced thriller. It's kind of on the slowish end. Yeah, I, you do have it, to. It's really only the logical pay, plot. You have uh, to pay attention. Yeah, you have to pay attention. I don't think this is a movie that you can jump in halfway through and no. kind of realize what's going on. The only reason I don't like it is because of the plot holes. Otherwise, I think it's a solid. It's a solid movie. I dislike it because it's. I feel that it's too similar, not to Silence of the Lambs, but in that. In that vein? In that vein that four years later, it's another serial killer movie. Right. I think maybe that's why it didn't do so well, personally. Well, even it was mentioned, too, like, it, it came out up against a lot of other thrillers. Yeah. So it was kind of maybe overshadowed by... Uh, did we get any of the movies down that it was that it was released against? I didn't look against that. Um, okay. You want to talk about something real quick? I will talk about... Yeah, we didn't mention the director uh, fully. So while you look that up, uh, the, the director of this was John Emil. Um who is also really well known for doing uh, The Core in 2003, which was awful. Uh, Entrapment from 1999, I believe that was uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones. Nice little callback to her. She was in our first episode, Tune In Tomorrow from 1990 with Keanu Reeves and Peter Falk and uh, Barbara Hershey. So that was an interesting one. So this came out the 27th. Leaving Las Vegas came out. Okay. That's a pretty good one. Yeah, Um, yeah. Mighty Aphrodite. It's a comedy. I don't think I ever saw that no, one. Powder. I'm, Three Wishes. Powder. Yeah. Uh, Vampire in Brooklyn. Okay. Also. Um, Wasn't that Eddie Murphy? Yeah. Uh, out of the three, Leaving Las Vegas made $49 million Okay. Out of those. So that was pretty much pretty good. I don't see anything else that came out before that. Mm. Maybe it was just for the year for that. Well, that. Get, get Shorty came out the week before. Oh. <laughs> and Mallrats. Oh, nice. Mallrats only made $2 million. So... Maybe maybe the thrillers she was mentioning were just um with a th- I don't even know yeah anyway that was that was just to let her take about how she wished the movie was better remembered um, two other movies that this director is also known for is the man who knew too little uh, with Bill Murray yeah and Make, making fun of the man who knew too much right and Summersby which was a uh, mystery thriller from 1993 where Richard Gere plays this 
Civil War soldier, soldier farmer who returns home and is an imposter, and somehow his wife doesn't doesn't realize that it's not her original husband. Oh. It's a weird movie. Well, I'm not weird, but kind of good. I watched <laughs> until, it with, until they had sex, and they're like, "Wait, yeah, a yeah, wait a minute." Uh, and so I, uh, I, I first saw that one with my mother. Um, that was like one of her movies. Uh, it was also written by Anne Biederman and David Madsen. David Madsen didn't have too many other credits after this, but this woman. Um, did the screenplay also for Primal Fear, Public Enemies, and like, Smilla's Sense of Snow. I like Primal Fear. I do too. That's a good one. Ed Norton, also another Richard Gere. I, I would say, I would suggest, it, if you can watch this movie, watch it. Especially if you like Mindhunters. I think yeah. I think you'll enjoy it. It's it's along the same kind of beat for it. You'd like Mindhunter. I if you like, uh, like Kiss the Girls or Don't Say a Word, those kinds of like thrillers um, where the... Well, the threat isn't supernatural. It's very real and exactly. human. I think that it's works a, it's better. It's a human than, film. Yeah. It is a very human film. I th- I want to let everyone know before I play this last little clip, um, which is going to take us out um, next week. Next week we have Ernest Scared Stupid. Ernest Scared Stupid. Jim Varney. Um, I'm not quite sure where you can watch that, but uh, yeah. it's probably for rent. Amazon, Voodoo. I don't think it's on Netflix. I own the movie. Yeah. Uh, watch that. So at the very end of the film, as the, the Helen is walking away toward MJ, mm-hmm. we start getting a narration from Daryl Lee Collum, Harry Connick, and here it is. Dear Conrad, thank you for your letter. Well, praise the Lord, I know you must be so happy that he chose to spare Dr. Hudson. The big guy moves in mysterious ways, don't he? Now, it just so happens I'm awaiting the arrival of a pair of genuine Helen Hudson undies, signed personal to me. A real collector's item, I'm sure you'll know. They're yours, but don't forget, a disciple must be strong if he is to succeed where others fail. Peter strayed from the path, and the Lord smote him good. So keep it simple. Then glory is yours, and vengeance is mine, as the good book says. I know you'll get my meaning. hunting partner Daryl Lee Cullen well that's been our episode folks Uh, drive safe be happy and uh, watch a movie go outside enjoy yourselves we'll see you next week for the Jim Varney classic Ernest Scared Stupid. Thanks very much. I have been the fish, and he has been the Josh. That's correct. See you later, guys.